Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 15. If you're just joining us, again, welcome. Glad you're here and wanted to worship with us. Acts 15. We are uh, in a series in Acts where the actions of the disciples or apostles. And as you're turning to Acts 15, a couple of other uh, important announcements. Um, wanted to say again, if you um, don't know, there's elections coming up. Next year's the, you might consider the big year, but I believe, and I hope you do as well, that local elections matter just as much. And because uh, they, in, I think, in some ways have more of a direct impact on our lives. And um, we are a pro-life church, not because we're Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal or white or black, educated, uneducated, because we're Bible-believing people. And we believe the Bible is quite clear on the subject that life is, uh, begins at conception and among a whole host of other uh, issues that are important. So on the Welcome Center on your way out, you can find some information about uh, voter guides and uh, about um, voting biblical values, not conservative or liberal values, biblical values. I believe we'll give an account to God of how we voted. Democracy is a gift and uh, our republic is a gift and I believe that we'll be accountable to God for that. Speaking of that, as you're continuing to turn to Acts 15, yesterday, if you weren't here, you missed it. We had Faith and Freedom Coalition. Larry Denver's here. Give us a wave, Larry. Uh, he's been here before a couple of times. But um, Larry is the president of the Faith and Freedom Coalition for the Pennsylvania chapter. Um, and their kind of headquarters uh, is out of Chester County, which is on the eastern side of the state what we refer to as the bad side of the state, but we won't tell anybody that. We like our side of the state, but anyway, uh, had a great time yesterday. A lot of great people were here, uh, great speakers. If you missed it, uh, you really missed out, and uh, just a great, great time, and um, so we'll hopefully do more events like that in the future, and you can be a part of those. Acts chapter 15, the title of the message this morning is, How Do You Know? How do you know? Acts chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 1 through 35. Acts chapter 15 is a chapter, the whole chapter, there's only two big events that go on, but both of those events deal with controversy. And in a couple weeks, we'll deal with controversy, but really, this is a, one of the first controversies we see that the church faces. Once you have turned to Acts chapter 15, verse 1 through 35, if you would stand as we read God's word together this morning. Acts chapter 15 Verse 1, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, meaning the, the fellow Christians, Gentiles, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. 
When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Look at verse 11. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what the signs and wonders had, God had done through them among the Gentiles and after they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon, or Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from old. Verse 19, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Verse 22, then it seemed good to the apostles and elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas leading men among the brothers with the following letter, following letter. The brothers, both in the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from among us and troubled you with words, unsettling your hearts and minds, although we gave them no permission, it has seemed good to us, having come to one agreement, to choose men and send them to you, our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same thing by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. So they were sent off and they went down to Antioch, having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with so many others also. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word today. 
Holy Spirit, we thank you that your word is alive and active. The Bible is not an ancient, dead document. It is the living word of God. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that as we just sang about, you would invade this place. Would you invade our hearts, open up our minds to receive your word today. As you say, he who has ears, let him hear. Not just words, but hear with our spirit and our heart, that your word will be planted in our heart, that it might produce fruit and honor you in all that we do. From this moment on, we give this service to you. I ask that you would anoint these lips of clay and flesh, that these would be your words and not mine. We love you and we thank you, and we're nothing without you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you can have a seat. You say, man, 35 verses, that's a lot to read. Well, it was one account that happened. Acts chapter 15 is a big, 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 big chapter in the entire Bible, especially the New Testament, especially Acts. It may be the, the, the second or third biggest, most important chapter. This takes place, if you've been with us from the beginning, we began our series in Acts around uh, late January, early February, and in Acts chapter 2, which we have most of it here on this banner, because that's our motto as a church, that's God's blueprint and goal and design of a church, and um, since that happened, this is, takes place, chapter 15, roughly 10 to 15 years after Acts chapter 2. You have the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2. Fast forward 10 to 15 years. Here we are at chapter 15. Message of God, the message of Christ, the word of God, the message of Jesus has been spread to the Jewish synagogues uh, all over the Mediterranean islands and um, Eurasia and uh, the nation of Israel. And it is spreading as well to Gentiles. This is the first theological crisis that the church or Christianity faces. This is the first crisis they face, the first discussion. This is uh, formerly known as the Jerusalem Council or the Council at Jerusalem. And I mean, listen, you know, we have the, the famous painting of this, you know, when they signed the Declaration of Independence and all the founding fathers are there. And when you see that painting, it should just inspire you as, a, as an American. Well, I want you to imagine this council. They're meeting in a room somewhere, a large room, and you've got Peter. You've got James and John, all the disciples, all the 11 disciples that are still there, plus many others, and Paul and Barnabas, Silas, John and Mark, all of the big wigs, if you will, the main characters of the New Testament, except for Jesus, uh, are there. And they're meeting to discuss this main theological crisis. What is the crisis? Verse 1 tells us what makes a person saved. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So they gather together to answer the main question. And that's the question we're going to answer today. What makes a person saved? How do I know I'm saved? Maybe you've asked that question before. We're going to look at those things today. We say, well, why would circumcision be a big deal to some of these Jews. And I want you to realize what you had back then in the first 10 to 15 years of Christianity wasn't what you and I see right now today. What we see today, by and large, in this room are a bunch of Gentiles worshiping the resurrected Jesus Christ. In that day, what you had was like, you know, 60% Jews who believed in Jesus and then maybe 40% Gentiles, which was a very unique, very new thing happening. So it wasn't traditional synagogue worship like they had been raised, but yet this wasn't a whole, it, it was a new thing, but it wasn't all Gentiles like what we have today. 
So you had some of, of traditional Judaism and some of this new thing following Jesus the Nazarene kind of a thing going on. And, and it was, I don't want to say confusing, but then you have some of these guys, these Jews, who they believe in the Old Testament. They believe in fearing God and honoring God and, and honoring the Word of God. But yet they also believe in Jesus. They believe he is the Messiah for Israel and God's Son and salvation is through him only. But nonetheless, they're wrestling in their own heart and mind theologically between saying, I follow Jesus, but I also practice the Old Testament. And so therefore, I kind of have a one foot in both worlds, and yet you have these Gentiles coming in saying, well, we want to follow Jesus too. And these Jews say, well, that's good, but you know, I was raised to believe and my rabbi taught me in Sunday school growing up and my parents taught me and my grandparents taught me that if you want to honor God, yeah, Jesus is good, but you need to honor Jesus, but also follow the law of Moses. In other words, be circumcised. Now, why is circumcision a big deal? Well, when you go back to the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we meet a guy named Abraham. And Abraham makes a covenant, is what the Bible calls it, but it's, it's, a, it's a declaration, it's a promise with, between Abraham and God that he will honor and follow God and God will bless him. And the sign, the physical sign, the physical proof of that contract, if you will, was circumcision. Therefore, from that moment on, uh, even today, most Jews, if not all Jews, are circumcised. It's not for health reasons or medical reasons. It's for one main reason. It's a physical witness to say, God, we remember your promise to our father Abraham. We identify with that promise. That's why, can you understand these Jews? I don't fault these guys for saying, well, they need to be circumcised. They're, they're doing what they were raised to do. They were doing what they believed to do. And they're saying, well, if they really want to follow God, yeah, Jesus is good, but also be circumcised. You can't just have one. You've got to have that promise too. That was the wrestling that they were dealing with. Again, this is a, a chapter on conflict. Here we have this conflict of how do they resolve it. And next week we'll discuss uh, a conflict between Paul and Barnabas, which is really interesting. How do you know? How do you know you're saved? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question. If you're a Christian today, if you're not a Christian, you, you probably never asked that question. But if you're a Christian, have you ever thought that? Have you ever woke up some mornings and thought, I don't feel saved? And what does that word saved mean? The first thing we want to talk about is saved equals faith in Christ alone. Again, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. If you'd skip down to verse 5. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Again, if they want to be saved, they want to go to heaven, they want to honor Jesus, they want to honor God, they have to be circumcised. And then look at what Peter says in verse 11. And this is really the key of this chapter. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. What does saved mean? Saved, the word saved is a biblical word. Jesus used it. Uh, we see Paul use it here. So it's used everywhere in the New Testament. It means two things. That you are saved or rescued from something and you're saved or preserved or set apart for something else. So it's not just as sometimes Christians think, I'm saved from hell. Oh, that's great. And that is great. But you're not just saved from hell. 
You're saved for God. You're saved because God has a purpose in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to do great things for Him. So you're saved from hell, but you're saved and set apart to God to honor and live for Him. That's what that word means. So when Paul uses it here, when you see it in the Bible, when you hear Christians use that word, that's what they mean. I am saved from hell. I'm saved from destruction. I'm saved from sin. But I'm also saved and I'm set apart to God for His purpose and for His glory and His plan in my life. You're saved by faith alone. You're not saved by your race. You're not saved by your gender. You're not saved by your denomination. You're not saved by the famous TV pastor that you watch every week. You're not saved by reading the Bible. You're not saved by going to church. You're not saved by your bank account. You're not saved by your political affiliation. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else and nothing less. Christ alone. Educated, uneducated. Not being a good person. Not, you know, well, my mom and dad went to church. Well, I was baptized when I was a baby. Doesn't that count? It doesn't. We don't believe that. You are saved from hell and you're saved for God. You're saved by one thing and one thing only. Faith in Jesus. You know what October is? It's not just Halloween and beautiful fall colors outside. October, at the end of the month, in Christian history, we celebrate a guy named Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King Jr. That's who he was named after. But they had a similar purpose, and they were revolutionaries. Martin Luther was a good Catholic boy, like I know a lot of you were raised. Good Catholic kid. He was extremely well-educated, had a Ph.D. By the, before he was 30 years old. He was a professor at, at a Catholic seminary. He was rapidly a shooting star rising up the ranks in the Catholic Church. But one day, and unfortunately in that day and age, the Catholic Church didn't teach directly from the Bible. They taught what popes had said. So Martin Luther comes along and he just happens to open up the Bible. He opens it to Romans, which is a powerhouse book of the Bible that Paul writes. And he begins to read the book of Romans. And as Martin Luther reads that, he says, wait a minute. I'm not saved by going to confession in a Catholic church. I'm not saved by even taking the sacraments of the Catholic church. That's kind of scary to, to a Catholic. I'm not saved by being a good Catholic boy and, and being baptized in the Catholic church. He reads it and he says, no, 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 wait. I am saved by faith alone in Christ. And he comes up to the Latin term of sola fide, faith alone. He's not saved because he went to a Billy Graham concert or he's not saved because his parents went to church. He's saved because he, as the individual, he himself put his faith in Jesus Christ. He read the scripture for himself. That's why we encourage you to do that. Don't take what I'm telling you for granted. Read it for yourself. Faith alone. In fact, Paul would later write this in Ephesians um, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's a very famous uh, part of scripture. And Paul tells this church in Ephesus that we are saved by faith alone, that it is a gift of God, not of works. You can be a good person. You can be Mother Teresa. You can be Pope Francis. It doesn't matter. It's a hill of beans, as we say from Oklahoma, where I'm from, the greatest state in the union. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is your faith. You either have faith in Christ or you don't. How do you get to heaven? By being a good person. No. We all come to heaven the same way. There's only, Jesus said, one door, one gate, and it's a narrow one, and it's at times very difficult. And it's the way of faith in Christ. That's exactly what Peter says here. It's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is consistent through the entire New Testament. 
faith alone equals being saved. Jesus said this in Matthew. If you remember a few years ago when we talked about Matthew, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to do a couple things. One, deny yourself. It's not about you. It's about honoring him. Number two, take up your cross, your instrument of pain and torture and humiliation, and follow me. It's that simple. You don't have to go to a church's five-week course to be a member. You don't have to uh, teach Sunday school. No. Deny yourself and follow me. Why does this matter? Here's the thing that the church faced, this, this early church. What you had was, and I believe that, that the, the Jews here had good intentions, I really do. But you had them coming and seeing these Gentiles, these new people put faith in Christ and they're saved. And so what the Jews do is, is some of the Jews anyway, they say, because Peter and Paul were Jews as well, but these, this small fraction, I believe, of the Pharisees said, you know, that's good, but it, it's good that you have faith in Jesus, but now we're going to kind of add some other layers to your salvation. And if we're not careful, here's the lesson for the church today, and I don't just mean Grace Community, I mean all churches and Christians. If we're not careful, we can do the exact same thing to new believers. I've been in churches like that. I grew up in a church that was kind of like that a little bit, where I will never forget, and I've talked about this before, a man in our church who was a former drug dealer in the community came and, and became saved, put his faith in Christ. He was saved from hell and saved for God. Well, he kind of had long hair and kind of a rough-looking guy, according to some people. And um, about a week or two after he was saved and was coming to church, really on fire for God, loved God, one of the deacons of our church pulled him aside and took him to lunch and said, uh, you know, brother so-and-so, glad you're saved, glad you're coming to church, glad what God's doing in your life. Here's the thing. We, you know, if you really want to be saved, you need to cut your long hair. That's, that's you know, I mean, come on. I've had other, heard other denominations, other churches, other Christians say, well, if you want to be saved, you've got to be baptized in water too. Now, don't get me wrong, we believe that that's important. Baptism in water is, a, is what Jesus says, be saved and baptized. But baptism in water, whether as an adult or infant, does not save you. Faith in Christ alone. It's that simple, it's that beautiful, and it's that perfect. Faith alone. Not faith in Jesus and being water baptized or, or anything else. And we as Christians have to be so careful that when new people come and give their life to Christ that we don't say, okay, man, it's great that you gave your life to Jesus. Well, now you need to be a, take this five-week class to be a member of our church. Or now you need to do this and do that. Well, now you need to pray for an hour every day. And no, and don't get me wrong, all those are important. And we encourage all of those. But to say what you're in effect saying is just what these Jews were saying. Faith in Jesus plus all this other stuff. No, that's unbiblical. That's not true. It's nowhere in the Bible. It's faith in Jesus, period. That's it. No more, no less. Don't get me wrong. All those other things are good. But I love what Peter says. Brothers, other Christians, other guys in the group, why are you testing God, first of all, which was kind of an insult, but secondly, by placing a burden. I want you to imagine a huge backpack full of 75-pound of weights just weighing them down. Could you imagine if this morning we said, would you like to put your faith in Christ and be saved from hell and saved for God's purpose? Yes, I would. Well, then, hey, let's pray together. And as soon as you say that prayer, as soon as you say amen, man, that's great that you put your faith in Jesus. Now, here's 75 pounds. We want you to put this on your back. Good luck. We'll see you later. That's in effect 
what they were trying to tell the church, these, other, these Christians. No. Peter says, guys, forget about it. First of all, your parents couldn't do it. Your fathers and grandfathers couldn't do it. And we can't do it either. Why should we expect them to follow the law of Moses when we can't even do it ourselves? Instead, he says, verse 11, one of the most beautiful verses in all of the New Testament, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace or faith in Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. He could have said, and I want you to think about this, he could have said, we believe that they will be saved just as we will by following the Old Testament and the law of Moses. He could have said, we believe that they'll be saved by being baptized in the Holy Spirit. No. He said, it's, it's just simple, guys. We believe they will be saved just like we will, one way, faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Don't place unnecessary burdens on new Christians. It's not your version of Christianity plus faith in Christ. When, when a new person gives their faith to Jesus, I, I'm so careful not to say, well, now here's 10 things that you need to do. You've got to get new friends. You've got to get a new bank account. You probably need to get a new spouse. You need to move away. You've got to get new kids. I don't do that. Some Christians advocate that. I don't believe that. What I believe is letting the Holy Spirit work that out in their own life. Well, where do you get that from? The Bible. It's biblical that we should work out our salvation through fear and trembling. In other words, letting the Holy Spirit begin to work on their heart and say, you know, some of these friends are pulling you away from faith in me. And maybe it is time to get new friends. That's the Holy Spirit's job, not mine. It's the Holy Spirit's job to say, you probably shouldn't be listening to this junk anymore or this gossip, or you probably shouldn't say those particular words or tell that joke or be around, whatever it is. I let the Holy Spirit work that out not me. I, I'm there to disciple them. Discipleship, we're big on that at our church. That's big, big in the New Testament. It's big in the Bible. Jesus said to make disciples, his first and last words to his own disciples. And we're there to guide them. We're there to help them. We're there to help nurture that faith. But we're not there to dictate the do's and the don'ts. And we're going to get to that in a few seconds. But let the Holy Spirit work out salvation in their life. Second thing is, a saved life is a changed life. A saved life is a changed life. Verses 19 through 29. We're not going to read all of that for time's sake today. I encourage you to read it later. But here's what happens. Peter stands up, gives his speech. First of all, we need to understand they're saved just like we are. One way, one way only. Faith in Christ. That's it. Not circumcision, law of Moses. That's it. Then James, well, uh, Paul and Barnabas stand up and talk about what God had been doing in the Gentiles. Then James, which this is the half-brother of Jesus, by the way. He goes on to, to write the, the New Testament letter of James. He goes on to become the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, which was kind of like headquarters for Christianity at that time. So he's a big wig. He's a big figure. James stands up and says, basically, guys, after discussion and thinking about this and praying about it, here's the conclusion. We're going to write to these brothers these Gentile Christian believers, and we're going to tell them, first of all, welcome to the faith. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad that you found salvation in Jesus Christ. And we say, well, what does he mean by that? He says, you don't have to be circumcised. That's his way of saying, hey, we take you just as you are. Welcome. Second thing that he says is, he tells them what they should avoid for their own spiritual health and growth. When he goes on and he says, so they don't need to be circumcised, first of all, However, they do need to avoid a couple of things. One, they need to avoid sexual immorality and things that are dedicated to idols. Now, I know today we don't have idols everywhere. 
but we do that we just don't call them idols we have the idol of money or fame or power or movie stars or athletes or sports or whatever it is in your life careers but he says they should avoid sexual immorality I'm going to define that for you as the most simplistic way it can be defined okay sexual immorality is engaging in anything outside of marriage between one man and one woman anything outside of that is sexual immorality it is clear in the entire New Testament and defined as sin whether it's an emotional lust ladies after a co-worker my husband doesn't listen to me he doesn't pay attention to me but this guy does men whether it's physical lust on things on the internet or people that you see anything outside of marriage between one man and one woman is sexual immorality he says avoid those things this is for their own spiritual health and growth the third he says they should preserve their outside witness and inside unity and what does he mean by that well he talks about that they should abstain from certain foods that were offered uh, to sacrifices things he says strangled by blood now we don't do that because that's just weird and so but he talks about don't have any food that has things strangled with blood and don't do anything with idols why is that important why would James say that I mean you and I probably couldn't relate to that because we just go to the market and pick up our food but in the Old Testament and again we're dealing with a lot of Jews here the Old Testament is quite clear don't have anything to do with something that was strangled because it would have the blood of the animal still in the meat and so that's that's wrong that's gross and um, that goes to a theological concept which is salvation is through there can be no salvation without the blood of Christ so it's kind of that same vein but he says to preserve their outside witness and inside unity here's the thing he says listen why should we Gentiles avoid things strangled with meat because if I go to the supermarket it's hard not to buy something that was sacrificed to an idol or strangled with meat why is that important because again understand they didn't go to an all Gentile church they went to a church or a synagogue really that had the majority of Jewish Christians in it and these Jews were still wrestling with following some of the Old Testament and following some of what Jesus had done in their life to Jews eating something that had been strangled with meat was against the law of Moses it was against the Bible to them they didn't want to do that so here's what James says listen don't offend your fellow brother in Christ and Paul will later write about that in 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verse 14 through chapter 11 verse 1 Paul talks about that same thing he says listen some of you if you eat meat that have been sacrificed to idols that is offensive to your fellow brother in Christ now we might laugh at something like that but it was a real situation in the church he says for the sake of unity in the church avoid eating meat sacrificed to idols in public places or together now privately that's different now some of us you know again I was raised pretty conservative you don't listen to secular music uh, you, you don't dance um, you don't play cards I was I was raised I don't necessarily believe all that now sometimes it's kind of the issue with some Christians of alcohol some Christians well it's okay to have a, a glass of wine once in a while as long as we don't get drunk other Christians no that's a big offense we'll go to hell we can't do that I would say the same thing applies here we have to be careful we're not encouraging one way or the other but if what you're doing as a believer will cause your fellow brother or sister to stumble into sin and fall into sin avoid that for their sake avoid that out of your love for them and unity of the church 
And that's what Christ is all about. In fact, one of his last prayers in John chapter 14, before he goes to the cross, he prays one main prayer, and that is unity in the church. So for the sake of unity, and Paul says this later, that just because I can doesn't mean I should. Everything that is, uh, you know, okay doesn't mean it's beneficial for me or my fellow brothers. You do it out of love to preserve an outside witness and inside unity. Really what this boils down to, what James tells them to avoid, is about purity and personal holiness. In other words, it's a change on the outside and a change on the inside. What he's saying is, if, if you Gentiles are going to say, we're saved now because of faith in Christ, and that's great, then there should be an inside change in your heart. You shouldn't want to hang around idols, and you shouldn't want to hang around those things. There should be a change in your heart. There should also be a change outside. Other people notice that. Other people can see clearly, you're not the same person you were a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago. Something has changed in your life. Many of you, when you became a Christian, you'd made some big changes, and really it wasn't all you. The Holy Spirit made those changes in your life to say, you know, I shouldn't hang around this anymore. I shouldn't do this anymore. And it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's for your own benefit and your own spiritual health. You can look at it that way and say, you know, that's how you view the law of the land. You can view the speed limit and a cop sitting there, you know, watching the, the road with his radar gun and saying, he's trying to catch me because I'm speeding. I'm going 65 and a 55. Or you could look at it and say, there's a speed limit there for my own safety. It's better that everybody drive 55 miles an hour than the NASCAR Daytona 500. It's better that there's some law for my own health and protection. That's the same thing here. Purity and holiness. And this is a big theme in the New Testament as well. Sexual immorality and personal holiness. And third, you can accept or reject God's truth. Verse 30, 30 through 35. So when they sent off, they just read this letter, these Gentiles in Antioch and Syria. Having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. Look at this. And when they had read it, talking about Gentiles, they rejoiced because why? It's encouragement. And it says that Judas and Silas were prophets. And look at, here's the word again. They encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. And Paul and Barnabas remained there teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many other also. Look at this, these Gentiles. I want you to think about this. They, they send Paul and Barnabas off. They come back and they say, well, here's the report, guys. Here's a letter that we all agreed to. All of us big wigs in Christianity at that time, Peter and James and John and you name them, they were all there. We all agreed to this letter that you're saved by faith alone. So don't be circumcised, don't follow the law of Moses, faith in Christ alone. However, we would like for you to avoid a couple of things. It's for your own benefit and it's for the unity of the church. They received that with joy. And I fear that what they could have done, what happens in many Christians' lives and churches today, is when we hear the Word of God, if we're not careful, what we do is say, well, yeah, I like that, but what about my rights? I deserve to do this. This isn't fair. I should be able to do what I want to do. This isn't right. I've been a good person. And if I don't do this, can't God bend the rules? And we can begin to argue amongst one another. We can begin to argue with God in our own life, with the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't you let me do this? Why can't I hang around this person or in this situation? 
No. They rejoiced. Think about that. They said, you're saved by faith, but here's what you need to avoid, these couple of things. Did they balk at that and say, no, forget that. We're going to do what we want to do. No, they embraced it. They rejoiced. It says twice, they rejoiced. They were encouraged by the words of the letter. They embraced God's word. They realized it was for their own benefit. God's word brings encouragement. This wasn't given as a list of do's and don'ts. Some people think Christianity is that. Well, if I become a Christian, I have to give up all these things. And really, isn't Christianity just a bunch of do's and don'ts, things that I can do, things I can't do? Absolutely not. That's a lie. Don't believe that. Don't let people spread that or convince you of that. That's so not true. But what the Christians believed here was, it's not do's and don'ts. This is for my benefit. This is for my health. They could have said, yeah, do whatever you want and and we'll see you later. No. You know, I don't really like eating healthy. I really am not a big fan of exercise, as you can plainly see. Nonetheless, I am smart enough to know that if someone tells me, if a doctor tells me, Brian, if you lost 10 to 15 pounds, it'd be for your own benefit. You'd be a lot healthier, you'd have more energy, you'd feel better in your life. I would be an absolute fool to say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'll be dead in, in two, three years. But I would be wise to say, thank you, doctor. You have the PhD in medicine, not me. I'm going to follow your instructions. I'm going to change my habits, not as a list of do's and don'ts, like you're dictating my life, but I embrace it for my own health. It benefits you. So when you read the Word of God and, and you see things that you might strike you the wrong way or rub you the wrong way, why is, this isn't fair, this isn't right, it has nothing to do with that. It's for your own benefit. It's for your own health. You can either receive God's truth with joy or you can reject it. And it's only when you embrace the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life that you'll be able to do what verse 31 says. I'm sorry, verse 29. At the very end, he says, if you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. You want to do well in your life for Christ? You want to honor God and live for Him? Only and only, only when you embrace the Holy Spirit's guidance, His correction in your life. The Bible says God chastises, which is an old word for corrects, those He loves. If God didn't love you, he wouldn't guide your life. He wouldn't correct you. You can view it that way, or you can say, God, because you love me, I'm going to embrace your guidance. Regardless of what the culture says, especially in America today and around the world, really, you cannot be a Christian and be engaged in sexual immorality. How do you know that? Acts 15, among many, many other places. If Matt wants to come back and begin to play, you know, I'm sure that the early Christians, because again, they're writing mainly to Gentiles, they live in a pagan Roman world. You think our society is pagan, and it is. Roman world was just as bad, maybe a little worse in some areas. I mean, when you read Roman books and things that they did, it was just as bad, if not worse, than what we have today. Wild stuff. Almost literally anything goes. And I want you to imagine that you are raised in that culture and that environment, And all of a sudden, you begin to believe in this Jewish God and his son, which is crazy, but you begin to believe in that. And you begin to follow that. And what you've done all your life and what your family and friends do, and they practice in sexual immorality. I mean, it was acceptable. It wasn't frowned upon. It was embraced, much like culture today. It was embraced. 
And they believed in offering sacrifices to idols. And now all of a sudden, you're not doing those things. Don't you think they were persecuted? Don't you think they were ridiculed? Don't you think their family and friends, maybe their spouses, but their coworkers, their neighbors said, what are you doing? I mean, at least when we believe in all these Roman gods, polytheism, many, many gods, at least they kind of let us do what we want as long as we give them sacrifices. I mean, you're crazy. Culture today, instead of, we talked about this yesterday with faith and freedom, but instead of culture today as it did many years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, embracing Christianity, holding it to a nice standard, it is ridiculing it and shoving it down. Well, you can be discouraged by that or you can say, we're becoming more and more like the church in Acts than ever before in the history of this nation. Kind of a good and bad thing together. How do you know you're saved? It's not waking up and feeling like it. Don't base your salvation, your relationship with God on feelings. You'll be let down all the time. Your walk with God is not based on an emotional high on Sunday and an emotional low on a Monday. Your walk with God is based on one thing, faith in Jesus Christ, that's it. There will be days you're going to wake up and feel like God is just right next to you all day. Man, you can take on the world. You're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I mean, everything is just going great. You'll wake up a week later and feel like God is a million miles away. Don't give in to those emotions. Realize your faith is in Christ alone. And that because you're saved, there should be an outside change. People should notice it and an inside change. That I am different. I don't do what I used to do, not because it's do's and don'ts, but it's for my own benefit. If I want to get closer to Jesus, there's some things that I'm going to have to get rid of in my life. It doesn't come from a pastor telling you to get rid of those things. It comes from you getting on your knees, getting on your face before God and say, God, is there anything in my life? King David in Psalms 51 said that very thing, who was a man after God's own heart. And he said, God, is there anything in my heart that is displeasing to you? And would you remove it? When was the last time you prayed that prayer or I prayed that prayer? God has searched me. Is there anything here that needs to change? There needs to be an inside change and an outside change. And you can accept or you can reject the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. At times when he says, don't do that, don't go there. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Or you can accept it as God guiding you to a deeper level with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your truth that is unchanging. And not only is it unchanging, but it changes us. And we pray, Father, that we wouldn't just go through the Bible just because that's what we're supposed to do, but that your word would go through us, purify us, search us, that we could honor you. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that has never put their faith in you, they've never asked for their sins to be forgiven through the blood of Christ, that today would be that defining moment the last Sunday of October, and they'd never forget it, that today they would make that decision, that commitment, to put their faith in you, to realize maybe they were raised to believe that faith, uh, salvation is, well, I was baptized as a baby. Well, my parents went to church. Well, my grandma prays for me. No, nope. doesn't count. Only when you as the individual put your faith in Christ does it count. And secondly, it's as simple as that. 
it's not faith in Jesus, but I've got to do all these other things. No. Nope. Faith in Him alone. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, if you'd want to make that decision, we don't want to end any of our services without giving people an opportunity to respond to maybe what God has been working on in their life. And if that's you, if you want to make your way to the front, I would love to pray with you. Or maybe you want to raise your hand right where you're at. People around you would pray with you and talk with you. Maybe you want to say, Brian, I'm close, but I'm not quite there. I've got some questions. Hey, that's okay. I want to answer those for you as best I can. If you fill out that connection card underneath the seat in front of you, and I'd love to take you to coffee or lunch. But I beg you, I beg you, do not, do not, do not leave without making that step, making that life-changing decision. You won't regret it. I've never met a Christian who regrets having their life changed by Christ. For the rest of us, I encourage you, if you know new Christians around you and you have a relationship with them, make sure that you're not placing unnecessary burdens on them, but instead lovingly and through prayer and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, discipling them to a deeper love and hunger with Christ. Salvation is simple. Let's not complicate it. And I pray for all of us that when the Holy Spirit is working in our life and guiding us, that we accept and more than accept, we embrace His correction, His guidance in us instead of rejecting it. Father, I thank you for every person that is here. I thank you for those that right now are making that decision, whether they're making their way to the front or raising their hand or filling out that card. I thank you Father, that your word has pierced their heart and they want to respond to it. They don't just want to think about it or say the words. They want to take action. I thank you for that today. Lives will be changed. Eternity will be altered today because of what you've done and people responding to your truth. Father, I pray for every person that is here. I ask, Lord, that you would bless their coming in and their going out. May your face shine upon them. Father, give them in their homes the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Give them the unity in their homes and in their families. Father, that they would have a greater hunger and passion for you in their homes. May you bless them in the public sphere, in the marketplace, to boldly stand up and stand out for you and not be ashamed for your truth. Give them favor in the eyes of their coworkers and their boss. Father, I pray that you would bless us as a body of believers with greater unity, with greater love for one another. Help us to be a biblically healthy, fruit-bearing church that changes lives in our community through a greater hunger and passion for your presence in prayer, through solid biblical teaching and living and passion to reach and serve the lost in our community and in our lives. Lord, we receive your work today with joy. We're nothing without you, and we give this day to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.